It's the Code St. Luke podcast, where you'll hear interesting topics and people brought together through the Code St. Luke Public Library. Here's the show. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Kathy Diamond back again for the Eleanor London Code St. Luke Public Library here to present a book to you. This afternoon, I would like to talk about a novel, one which falls into the category of historical fiction. It is called The Girl They Left Behind, and the author's name is Roxanne Velezos. The author, who currently lives in Marin County, California, was born in Bucharest, Romania, and moved to America with her family as a teenager. She has based her novel, her first novel, on her own mother's experiences as a young child during the Second World War, and afterwards as well under the communist Soviet system there, still in Romania. When asked in an interview about how she managed to find the right balance between the fictional and the historical in her book, she replied, I must admit that this did not come easily. Much of Romania's history at the time was complex and volatile, and it was challenging at to balance against the intensely, it was challenging to balance this history against the intensely personal stories of two families and the daughter, the one daughter that they share. In the end, said the author, I had to be careful not to encumber the plot but rather to thread historical developments with a delicate hand in a way that supported the character's experiences. And this is the, this is the task of any writer of historical fiction, is how do you blend the two? You don't want the history part to come across as too heavily handed, because after all, this is not a history book, this is a piece of fiction. And yet, the historical developments are there, and they are an important part of the story. She said that she did not know all that much about her own family's history as she was growing up. She said that she was, this is the author, said that she was 11 or 12 years old when she first found out that her mother was adopted. So this book, the character, uh, one of the characters in the book is based on Valetsos' own mother's story. Although she says it wasn't until a few years after we had already moved to California that the full details of her adoption became known to me. I remember, she says, my mother tearfully revealing one day that as a toddler she had been abandoned on the steps of an apartment building in late January of 1941, just as the nation's capital, Bucharest, had erupted into a wave of violence against the Jewish population. 
and this violence later became known as the Bucharest pogrom. Unfortunately, in my mother's case, the thread back to her biological roots was never found, despite her many efforts. In the book, in the fiction, the thread was found, and that's part of the story, but Valetsis's own mother never found her biological parents. And yet, my mother's story had been so deeply embedded in my heart. It had been haunting me ever since she told me. And ultimately, it was the absence of resolution to this mystery of our past that planted the seed for my book, The Girl They Left Behind. And Valetzos has a degree in journalism, and she's been writing for many years, but not fiction. This is her first novel. And when she was asked whether she had to do a lot of research in order to write her story, she said, yes, I had to do quite a bit of research. I immersed myself for more than a year in Romania's history. In the process, among learning many things, I became familiar with the lesser known facts of that period in Romanian history. And I especially enjoyed learning more about King Michael of Romania, who at the age of 21 led a coup against the pro-fascist General Antonescu and dealt a lethal blow to the crumbling Nazi power. In 1947, King Michael was forced to abdicate at gunpoint by Stalin's troops and leave Romania. But even in his exile, his life continued to be just as fascinating. And I find him, says Valetzos, to be a truly inspiring figure. Regarding the choice of title for her first novel, she said that I have changed the novel's title several times. And finally, after considering many options with my editor at Atria Books, The Girl They Left Behind was the one that resonated most deeply. I think that it not only encompasses the experience of being abandoned, the girl they left behind, but also the larger themes in the novel, which are those of sacrifice, of choices that mothers, parents, but often mothers will make to save a child. Canadian professor, parliamentarian, and human rights specialist, Erwin Kotler, someone very familiar to the Montreal community, once famously noted that the countless cruelties of the Shoah were too horrific to imagine, but not, alas, too horrific to have happened. Whenever one reads of the resistance and rescue from the industrialized murder that was the Shoah, 
indeed from any such form of calculated genocidal brutality, Erwin Kotler's observation haunts one. Decency, at least in most of us, simply repels this mental reconstruction of such barbaric acts, such horrific scenes. Instead, we try in our minds to embrace the kind that we want to embrace the kindness and goodness that many individuals currently uh, courageously extended to their fellow human beings, despite or perhaps because of the cruelty that was going on around them. And so this story, The Girl They Left Behind, begins with one such act of kindness. The concierge of an apartment building finds a young girl, three or four years old, no older than that, shivering on the front door steps in the cold winter air of Bucharest in January 1941. So this concierge of this apartment building, a woman, a kind woman, has no doubts why the girl was abandoned in the alcove of her building. Because at that moment, in another part of the city, the violently fascist Iron Guard militia thugs who did, another group who did Hitler's work for him, this, this group in Romania, they were in the midst of what would be a three-day pogrom against the city's Jews. Thousands of Jews were dragged into the streets, humiliated, vilified, and tortured. 125 were murdered. And I had remembered seeing years ago a picture in a book on the Holocaust, pictures of Jews being hung from meat hooks in, a, in an abattoir. And that had taken, it was a horrible, one of the many, hor- too many horrific scenes. But that had taken place in Bucharest during that pogrom in January 1941. And if you look up any books, any history books, um, that talk about the history of Romania and what happened to the Jews during the Second World War, you'll find that picture. Unlike those Iron Guard marauders, their, their accomplices, or the many ordinary men and women who simply averted their eyes, this one woman, this concierge of the apartment building, acts. She takes the girl in, she takes care of her, and then takes her to an orphanage where a generous, loving, childless, non-Jewish couple soon adopt the child. And the child happens to be very beautiful. So she is adopted. She doesn't spend much time in the orphanage. And this couple who are wealthy and elegant and gracious and part of a large extended family, desperate to have children, they adopt this little girl. And it is with this very moving scene as her literary launch pad that Valetzos has written a very readable historical novel, 
that even occasionally soars in its prose. She imagines in eye-opening, colorful detail the daily, wary lives of this newly created small family unit. Because don't forget, it's, it's 1941. It's the Second World War. Even though the adoptive parents are not Jewish, they are still living under the restrictions and under the, 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 bomb, the threat of bombing in, uh, in Bucharest. So this is, this is the setting after the little girl has been adopted. She also tells, interspersed, the story of the little girl's birth parents. And bit by bit, she reveals to us the wretched circumstancing, circumstances surrounding their very sorrowful, heartbreaking for them decision to leave their daughter on the doorstep, you know, in that apartment building. Valetos ultimately arranges the many pieces of the combined lives of the two sets of parents onto her literary canvas. They form a circular, one could say mosaic of sorts, with their shared young child, little Natalia, at the center. We, the reader, are left to wonder, what will happen? Will the pieces of this story mesh into, finally, a survivor's well-lived portrait? Or, like so many other stories of the lives that were devastated by the Nazis, will they collide as as severely damaged pieces instead of a soothed, healed, eventually whole. That's what we will hopefully find out as we continue to read. At one point in the story, little Natalia becomes very seriously ill, and it seems like there is nothing more for her adoptive parents, Anton and Despina, those are the real names, anything that they can do to save her life at that point. But then, miraculously, perhaps maybe a little too miraculously, an unforeseen intervention brings a new spark of possibility. Natalia gets some life-saving drugs and she recovers. But Anton has realized just how anguished a parent is at the thought of losing their child. And he thinks about Natalia's birth parents. As Valetsos writes, this is Anton thinking, this isn't what it must have been like for them too, the people who had given Natalia life. When she had been snatched from their hands, they were sharing a common fate now the adoptive parents, and the biological parents. Even though he had never known them and never would, he thinks, the magnitude of what they had done to save her hit him straight on. And he grasped with a start that they would always be bound by a common love for her. 
It was not fear they should be regarded with, but thankfulness for the gift of Natalia, for the gift of her life, and ultimately for their sacrifice. So this is the adoptive father thinking about now in a different frame of mind, what Natalia's birth parents must have gone through when they had to leave her, and if they were still alive, what they must be going through now. Again, this is the fiction of it. In addition to the absorbing story that Valetzos has crafted for us readers, she is also to be commended for providing a historical glimpse into two terrible but very real worlds, Nazi Germany allied fascist Romania during the Second World War and then Soviet-controlled totalitarian Romania in the decades after the Second World War was over. The author describes the increasing hardship and deteriorating physical conditions of the family's life during the war. Their religion, of course, spared them from the Nazis and their Romanian collaborators. But once the Second World War was over and the Soviets were taking over, nothing could spare them from the encroaching Red Army. Didn't matter there what religion you were. Valetzos sharply describes the merciless totalitarian political reality that swallowed Romania in November of 1948. As she writes, a new border stretched over the continent, a wall of barbed wire behind which all the grand cities of Eastern and Central Europe found themselves hostage ruled by checkpoints, guarded by watchdogs and Soviet armored tanks. In Bucharest, all the country's former leaders and members of the royal parliament had been arrested or imprisoned, some sent to forced labor camps in remote Siberia. With a cynic's sense of irony, as well as her writer's grasp of pathos, Valetzos adds, do, when she writes in the book, do you know that we are to be called a people's republic? The stunned citizens of Bucharest would whisper on street corners, at bus stops, at flower stands, where they could still talk in whispers. Do you know? they would continue. Our new prime minister was appointed by Stalin himself. The new reality had been shaped around them, not with the slow progression of change, but with the sharp precision of the guillotine, severing them from everything they knew to be true and familiar. This is what Valetzos writes in her novel. And as the state's blade cuts with its pre-planned precision and inhuman indifference, it cuts into Natalia, in our fiction, into her little family as well. (coughs) They are watched 
monitored, persecuted, and degraded. The secret police, the dreaded, feared Securitate, violates their lives with practiced cruelty. By then a teenager, Natalia observes the ubiquitous evil presence. Whatever her father was accused of, it didn't matter, she thinks. Whatever the reason, there would be a sham trial resulting in a sentence without the right to defense or an immediate transfer to a forced work camp. The Gulag, Natalia had heard people call this place, where people were sent and from which no one ever returned. The author has written this fictionalized version of her mother's story that we are told is based on true events. The reader knows this from the outset. Thus, it is the manner, not the fact, of Natalia's rescue that comprises the narrative heart of the girl they left behind. Sometimes the writing can be a bit overwrought and the author falls into using cliches. She is clearly a skillful writer. This is her first novel after all, and it has the very personal connection. So she has tried to balance her mother's story, at least what she knows of it, and what she recreates of it with the historical background that she feels is necessary to place the novel where it should be. And that's beneficial to the reader because it does provide us with a look at what Romania was like during the horrific years of the Second World War, as well as from 1948 onwards, when the Soviet system came and locked the country into its grip. At the end of the book, there are black and white photos that the author has included, and they're photos of the characters that the reader has just encountered in the fiction. An afterword to the story explains where the author used poetic license for the sake of dramatic tension. One does look forward, after one finishes this novel, to reading Valetzos' second book, which has just been published this month. It is called When the Summer Was Ours. It is also drawn from the author's early experiences living in Eastern Europe. This time, she has set her story not in Romania, but in Hungary. First in rural pre-war Hungary, then in the capital city of Budapest in the late 1980s, and finally in modern-day New York City. It is a story, from what I read, of, I haven't read the book yet, of lost love and a family secret 
that impacts the lives of three generations of women. This time it is purely fiction, no biography to be juggled with the fiction, no story of nothing to do with Valetsis' mother's story, just a piece of fiction, although the fact that it, it too is set in Eastern Europe makes the reader realize that even though Valetsos is living in California and has become a successful, she was a journalist and she was a technical writer and, and she edited, she wrote for magazines and now she's a novelist, that the initial years, her initial years growing up in Romania as well as, and living under communist rule until she was, she and her family were lucky enough to get away to America, as well as her mother's story, made this book, have impacted her writing and made this book a very um, informative and, and very compelling read. So I recommend it to those of you who like historical fiction and um, say that we look forward to reading her second novel after this one as well. Thank you for listening. I wish you a good month and hope to be with you again next month. Thank you and have a great rest of the day. Thank you for listening to the Code St. Luke podcast today. We launched the podcast and telephone broadcasting service in March, 2020. The idea was to get content from Parks and Recreation and the library into your homes using Zoom, telephone, and podcasts. If you enjoy the podcast, please give it a rating and review at Apple Podcasts and share it with your friends. For more information about programs at the library, visit csllibrary.org. For information about the city of Cote St. Luke, visit CoteStLuke.org. Have a great day.